podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to a brand new DNF1 F1 podcast. Joining us for the preview, as always, we have the full DNF1 panel. We have Courtney Pine, we have Lee Wannington joining me to discuss all things Formula 1 heading into the crown jewel race itself. The one that everybody wants to win, the street circuit that started it all with so much history and heritage. We are, of course, talking about the Monaco Grand Prix. So I hope you guys are well and I hope you lot are very excited for Formula One to return to our screens after an unforced mini break, I suppose, because of what went down in Imola. And of course, at this time, all our thoughts are still very much with those that are continuing to struggle owing to the events that have been happening over the last few weeks. Of course, everybody in Formula One has had their say. And I think we'll go back to that a little bit in during this preview but of course before we do if you want to support us you can do so on youtube as always we ask you guys to like the video if you're watching this podcast on youtube subscribe to the channel if you are new it really does help us out a lot and of course you can support us on your favorite podcasting platform as well by leaving us a five star review on your favorite platform but just remember if you're not able to do so on apple podcast please do let us know our social handles are in the show notes or in the description get in touch with us send us a screenshot to let us know that you have given us a five star review and we'll happily oblige by giving you a shout out on a future episode so corny First of all, mate, how are you doing? It's been a while, actually, since you've been on the show. Obviously, you weren't available for the last review, and, of course, we had the race cancelled in Imola. How are you doing, mate? I'm doing fantastic. Um, West Ham are through to a European final after beating Dutch side Azad Alkmaar in the semi-final. So, yeah, can't complain. Um, had a couple of uh, illnesses in between uh, now and the last recording, but... Certainly in a much better mood nowadays. So, and yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, talking through the Monaco um, preview and it's good to be back. Yeah, it's great to have you back. And of course, you know, nice little reminder about positive ventures for your beloved football <laughs> team. I mean, that, you know, given that and also your love for Sir Lewis Hamilton as an F1 fan, I don't imagine your popularity with the Dutch fans is going to be going up anytime <laughs> soon either, is it? No, that's why I thought I'd chuck it in. They've already got it in for me in the comments. So I thought I'd chuck that in. Yeah, of course, we do love the Dutch fans. But if you want to have another dig at, at Courtney's expense regarding football, by all means, have a go. But I don't think Courtney's <laughs> going to care one bit because he's riding on a very high cloud at this point in time. Lee, let's come to you as well, mate. How are you doing? You OK? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. Um, I, I'm still rearing for a race, obviously. Didn't get the one last weekend. Hopefully there's no uh, race cancellation this weekend. Um, but obviously, if it's too dangerous to do so, then obviously it's the right choice which I'm sure we'll get to. But um, yeah, obviously it's supposed to be a wet race, so let's wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see indeed. Of course, Monaco is certainly no stranger to a wet race. We had one last season, and for many reasons, it was rather memorable and exciting on a strategy perspective, at least. So uh, hopefully we do get some excitement this weekend. But of course, it's never guaranteed at Monaco, despite the glitz and the glam 
and all of the prestige around such a historic venue. And we always look forward to the race, but uh, for some reason, every weekend afterwards, we always say, ah, it wasn't exciting, or it wasn't this, or it wasn't that. But I think that's Monaco. You've got to take it and leave it. Um, The wet weather would make it, though. Like The the best Monaco races through the years have been the wet races, because let's be honest, these cars can just about fit around the, uh, the circuit in dry conditions. Chuck a little bit of rain. No unnecessary red flags this time. And this, let's have a classic. F1 2023 is due a classic. Let it be here in Monaco. And of course, it could be a very unpredictable race for reasons which we'll get into later on, which is very much unlike Monaco, but it creates an extra bit of buzz around this weekend's race. And I'm certainly hoping that you will agree when we talk about it in, in a moment. First things first, I wanted to follow up on something that I did last week when we put out the Imla preview if you like and that was just my thoughts on what went down in Imola obviously for those of you who weren't aware there was some massive flooding in the Emilia Romagna region which was very much affecting the local area the F1 circuit wasn't massively affected but you could see certain traces of the flooding in effect around that area but it certainly looked like that the race could go ahead under somewhat normal circumstances however the right decision I think was made to cancel the venue because emergency services and you know those that would have been required to support and allow the race to go ahead they were very much needed elsewhere and I think we can all agree that they made the right decision on that just wanted to follow up with some comments from Formula One in particular that they had made an announcement that they were donating a million euros to the Emilia-Romagna Regions Agency for Territorial Safety and Civil Protection to support the communities affected by the flooding in the region. I know Ferrari themselves also donated a million euros for the same cause. So well done to both of those entities for showing their support. We also saw some photos of Yuki Sonoda hanging around the AlphaTauri driver, of course, the local circuit for his team AlphaTauri in Fianza. And he was doing his part to help out the locals in the area. So well done to him as well. And I'm sure there are other drivers and other people involved in helping out that we didn't see on social media. So well done to everyone for getting involved. And guys, I think this is a very emotional topic. One that a lot of people, I think not unanimously, but the majority of F1 fans and people involved agree that this was the right decision. Stefano Domenicali obviously grew up in the Emilia-Romagna region, so this was a very emotional uh, occasion or emotional event for him, if you like, it's probably a better word for it. And he had a lot to say on this one. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on what went down, because I think quite often F1 and sports in general do tend to take precedence when difficult events happen around the world even if they're very close I mean what we saw last year in Jeddah was certainly a great outlier for this as well and F1 was was continuing despite all of that and despite the calls from many people to say it shouldn't be happening it's too dangerous or it's not safe on this occasion the right decision was made to not go ahead with this race I just wanted to get your thoughts on what went down and what you thought about what action was made on this one it was certainly the right choice to cancel the race. Um, not only for the reason you raised about um, the strain on the emergency services, which obviously an event like this, you know, would definitely put a strain on emergency services. It's also the pressure on infrastructure as well. Obviously, the location of the circuit is in a rural area. So having thousands of people rocking up to that circuit will put a big strain on the local area as it is. Obviously not complaining because it's probably the highlight of the year for the local community. 
but it'd still be a massive strain on the infrastructure, which probably will have been severely affected by the by the conditions. So I just think it was best for various reasons to cancel the race. And there are look as as passionate about certain sports as we are, there are things that take priority over sporting events. And what happened um last week in and around the area is definitely an example of that. Yeah, what about you, Lee? What do you reckon? Oh, I definitely think it was the right choice. Um, obviously, Stefano's uh, experience growing up in the area, I think, also will, uh, will help make the decision. He obviously, I don't know the flooding history of the region, but I'm sure it has happened in the past, and he's aware of it being a local, how bad it can be. In the past, I think Formula One would have just rocked on and carried through it and be like, regardless, you just have to think how... Formula One nearly started in 2020. We were in Australia when COVID was starting and they were going to go ahead regardless of the out, uh, the outrage of going ahead. Um, so I think it was a very wise decision and it was handled very well and getting a decision made before any running or any press release or anything had started. So I think it was completely the right choice. Safety is paramount for the, for the teams, but also for the fans who travel there and the people, as Courtney mentioned, that live in the area that have to handle the extra fans in such a um, predicament of a flooding. So it was completely the right choice. Yeah, I agree overall. And, you know, I, I mentioned this already, but I often feel that Formula One as an entity probably doesn't get the praise or credit it deserved for its handling of the pandemic. I remember many other sports tripping over themselves there was a lot of desperation to have events go ahead despite everything that was going on and, and these were unprecedented times you know not many people alive would have been aware of what to do or had the plan amongst all the hysteria and everything else that was going on and the panic and, and the confusion f1 by example was able to, you know, take the time it needed to assess the situation. Of course, it took that mandatory break for a few months. And then the planning and the reorganization and the restructuring of the F1 season was done to such a great degree and, and, and level from so many people involved. We ended up having a pretty decent championship out of it. All right, it was dominated on the track by Mercedes and in particular Sir Lewis Hamilton. But in terms of having the spectacle, F1 handled it superbly. So... I do feel at times like these, despite an example I mentioned about last season in Jeddah where it was very, very controversial, on the whole, I think F1, at least in the modern era, do have their priorities in the right place. And I think they showed that in exemplary fashion last time out. Despite the pressures that they would have been under, I think they made the right call at the right time. And I think everybody involved should be very proud of that decision and the work that I'm sure them and other people involved are continuing to do to try and bring back some level of normality and help those that are really struggling in that region so uh, good for them on that part so let's move on to the sporting contest at hand if you like as f1 does it moves from one place to another and this weekend we are going to monaco as i said already the jewel in the f1 crown the race that everybody wants to win but who will win that race that will be rather interesting and i think that kind of brings us to our first question of this episode that we got sent in and the question reads could this year's monaco grand prix be the most exciting and significant one in years 
given the fact that this could be the best opportunity for rival teams to beat Red Bull in 2023. I want to throw that at you first, Courtney, because I am quite intrigued as well. And, and we often say that the Monaco Grand Prix is rather predictable. But given that Red Bull themselves have often cited this particular race as one that they may struggle at owing to the slight weakness of their car of struggling to warm up their front tyres that have hindered them in qualifying a little bit, this could prove to be a big opportunity for their rivals. Yeah, I'm, uh, I might as well give some spoilers for the predictions. So I've, I think I am one of many people that are going to be keeping a BDI on Fernando Alonso this weekend. I, I feel that this is the one that he's been looking at thinking, right, this could be my moment. This could be my time to shine. This could be my moment to win a race. And we all know, whether we like it or not, the characteristics of the uh, Monaco Grand Prix is if you put the car on pole, you have a great chance of winning the race. So the qualified performances from Fernando have been decent as well this season. We've seen the likes of Ferrari in particular, um, Mercedes in particular, I mean, struggle in qualifying. So this will definitely be an event that Fernando Alonso will be targeting. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people have mentioned Fernando Alonso. He himself mentioned the Monaco Grand Prix as a race he feels that he could win. He also cited the Spanish Grand Prix coming up next weekend as another one because of its street circuit-like qualities, despite the fact that it's more of a traditional circuit. And by extension, we have to look at the other drivers involved as well. You know, we've got the two Mercedes drivers with the new upgrades coming on this car. Will that make a difference? We'll have to wait and see. The Ferrari's characteristics, despite having difficulties keeping its tyres together over a race stint, it is a very good qualifying car. And as we saw demonstrated by Charles Leclerc on the streets of Baku, the car is very good at handling slower corners. So that car too will also be in the mix. Lee, you mentioned already with the weather, you couple that with how tight qualifying and how significant qualifying is going to be this weekend. We could see a race where Red Bull may be very much looking over their shoulder at their competition. Yeah, well, one of the strengths of this year's Red Bull has been their DRS effect or the double DRS or whatever will you call their secret trick. Or I'm not talking the, about it. The ribbing win. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. we know DRS is not very effective at Monaco. So one, yes, Red Bull has strengths in other areas of the car and suspension and aerodynamics, but one of the strengths is DRS, and that will be limited this weekend. Um, so if Red Bull will qualify our position, due to whatever reason, if it's the weather or there's red flags, etc., they're going to not find it as easy to come through the field as the last few races. So that can already be an advantage to Fernando eyeing up a win if he qualifies ahead of a Red Bull or both Red Bulls, don't know. But that is going to be hindered. So they're already going to be fighting with one arm behind their back for this compared to other races this we've had this season. I'm not saying that they can't win it. They're just not going to be at their full potential. So other teams are going to be trying their damn hardest to maximize that uh, damage limitation that Red Bull are going to have to be um, handling this weekend. Yeah, as I mentioned already, the slight weakness that Red Bull do have with the front axle of the car behaving the way it does is it makes it a little bit harder to get the tyres warmed up to perfect temperature, which is why in qualifying they're not able to enjoy the advantage that they have impressively got during the races. So that does bring the pack a little bit closer together. It provides an opportunity that we've seen 
owing to what we saw in Baku, that they are beatable. Charles Leclerc demonstrated that Red Bull are certainly not impossible to beat over one lap. And in Monaco, qualifying is going to be critical. The impotence of how significant qualifying is going to be this season could be critical. And Red Bull will know this. They're still the heavy favourites, let's be honest. You know, we're talking about this and Red Bull fans or Dutch fans, Max fans or whoever supports Red Bull will be listening to this show and thinking, oh, here we go. The three British guys knocking Red Bull again. (laughs) They're still the favourites. Let's not kid ourselves here. You know, right now, the likely scenario is Red Bull lock out the front row. The Monaco Grand Prix becomes a procession. They win again. You know, we move on to the next race where it likely will be a repeat. That's just how F1 is in 2023. That's the benefit of a meritocracy in some regards. But it only takes for someone to miss a breaking point. Or like we saw last season, Max Verstappen was on a big flying lap on his second run and he got ruined by his teammate making a mistake, causing a red flag, which ended up putting the Ferraris at the front. It could happen again. And we saw this in Miami where Max's qualifying session got ruined. He's not going to be able to blast his way through the field in the same way he did in Miami this weekend in Monaco. We can guarantee that much. So I I don't know, guys, this could be one of the most exciting qualifying sessions of the season. We may get some rain in the race, which might spice things up a little bit as well. But I'm pretty certain that the Aston Martins, the Mercedes duo, the Ferrari boys, they're very much going to be eyeing up qualifying and saying, look, if we can get on the front row or pole position, we could win a race this weekend. I'm going to uh, change my prediction after that little monologue there, Adam. I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton's going to win, George Russell second, and Lando Norris third. And say, God save the king and that. British bias, Mercedes fanboy, Mercedes won too, why not? <laughs> I can feel already every single person that doesn't subscribe to that particular demographic of interest is unsubscribed as we speak so uh well it was nice knowing you guys loved having you so uh anyway um let's move on to the next topic of discussion and you know for those of you that are still sticking around despite the fact that they probably didn't enjoy Courtney going all uh British bias on there we're going to talk about Mercedes in a bit more detail and of course there's been a lot of interest in their upgrades and in particular the side pods on the car how they're going to look we know that that's not the only component of their car that is going to change on this concept amongst a few other things but the question we got in was given that the Imola Grand Prix was cancelled why are Mercedes introducing their big upgrade package to Monaco would it make more sense to wait until the Spanish Grand Prix next week and is it really going to provide a performance advantage in Monaco um, I think that the these upgrades that have come to Mercedes are gonna put them ahead of Red Bull. But I'm joking. I'll stop. <laughs> I, I I I think there's logic behind. I think there's logic behind timing of the um the upgrade. We all know that. Look, Mercedes have plenty of work to do in terms of race pace, but in terms of their, let's be honest, realistic competition this season is Aston Martin and Ferrari, and. Uh, Mercedes' biggest Achilles heel in comparison to the other two teams I mentioned is their qualifying pace. So I'm guessing they'll be interested to see if these upgrades work. And also, we all know how important the qualifying is in Monaco. They may be hoping that these upgrades are going to make a big difference for them in qualifying. And I guess there's no harm in trying it. And we all know that when you put the parts on the car, we all know Monaco is a bit different, but you're still learning. You're still, every, with every lap, 
They're very sector even. These teams are taking in data. So I guess there's no harm. Um, I, I, I do think it's mainly down to the qualifying situation that Mercedes have faced this year. Yeah, I think Ferrari are in a similar position with their concept. And I don't remember reading anywhere that Ferrari were just going to take these upgrades and bring them in Monaco. I think they may even delay them further as part of the bigger upgrade package that they've got coming for the Spanish Grand Prix as one. They have delayed them for yeah. Spain. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm sure I might have seen it somewhere. I just couldn't remember when I was doing a little bit of research prior to this episode. So, um, you know, for good save on that one, Lee. And we know with Mercedes that this is an upgrade package that pretty much has been born off the fact that they themselves admitted that halfway through designing and developing the concept that they're currently running during winter that it wasn't going to work for them. They needed to go in a different direction. And perhaps they're just so eager to get these upgrades on the car because it's playing a part in a much larger upgrade and a much more significant concept change coming throughout the course of the season and moving on to next season. They just need to get the, the upgrades on the car as soon as possible as long as neither George Russell or Sir Lewis Hamilton bins it in the war a couple of times, I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. But I suppose they will probably argue and say, well, look, all data is significant. Monaco's a very unique circuit. But then you could apply that logic to Imola in certain regards and say it's not really a similar circuit to a lot of others on there. So we'll have to wait and see how it plays out for them. I'm not expecting Mercedes to suddenly be the best of the rest or get a lot closer to Red Bull. But it will be interesting to see if this change in concept design that they are pursuing, how it's going to look, first of all. They reckon it's going to be quite distinctive, even though it's not going to be quite Red Bull-like. So, you know, make of that what you will. But it will be interesting to see if they pursue this concept going forward and, and obviously how it's going to look over the course of this year and into next year. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think it's more of the, the latter that they just want to get the the updates on the data gathering um for the, as you said for the the entire season the the way i see it is it's more of a, they're taking this as a test they've got two drivers who are very capable who are not very likely to put into a wall to be perfectly honest between george and lewis oh we, you jinxed it now yeah i, I had to go <laughs> we've, there I mean, we've got I the red bull fans back well done lee we've got <laughs> them back on side they're gonna both Flip mercs this. are gonna bin it that's the prediction they're both binning it this weekend uh, <laughs> Yeah, I had to go there. Sorry, um, Courtney. Um, but they, they're not likely to do it. Um, but they they know we've got a good circuit or a normal, normalish race circuit coming in a week's time. Get your data gathering, get your setup sorted, understand the upgrades, and then we can try unleashing the performance in Barcelona and Sega de Catalunya. Let's, uh, and we can unleash the full potential because we understand what we've done with the car. It's worked. We've verified what we see in the simulation. Bam! That, that, I think that's more of it than they're going to go and storm and um, get a position, get a one-two. Yeah. As much as you, I know it was a joke, Courtney, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the, uh, the 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 expectations have to be realistic. Yeah. Because look, love it or hate it, with Lewis Hamilton and his fan base, there comes a lot of hype, and you know, I think there are people that are so keen to see Lewis, you know challenge for that eighth world championship it's it's at times it comes across as desperate and it just there just needs to be realist like it needs to be a realist approach to this i think red bull have absolutely stolen the march with this set of regulations it's going to take a lot to 
catch up with them. I I just think not even just for Mercedes, but for even Ferrari. Like Ferrari been doing this for fifteen years now, but they have to play the long game here. I feel if you try anything too radical, if you even try to copy Red Bull, you're only gonna be able to catch up so much. So I just feel that Ferrari and Mercedes need to play the long game here. Yeah, very much so. And we all know that an F1 car is the sum of its parts. None of us are expecting that Mercedes are going to overhaul Red Bull or anything significant with these upgrades, but it could be a good indicator as to whether or not the concept that they seem to be pursuing now is going to be a successful one for them in the long run, which of course is exactly what they would want. And I think we can all agree, unless you're a Red Bull fan, of course, that having Mercedes back in the picture for racing for Grand Prix victories and even a championship is always going to be more exciting than not. Let's move on to the next question and again it's regarding Sir Lewis Hamilton and there is a reason for this we're not just doing this because we're biased British people you know it, I know some of you may feel that way but we're doing this because there have been some interesting reports coming out lately mostly from the Italian press regarding Sir Lewis Hamilton's future and the question reads what are your thoughts regarding the rumors that Ferrari have made an approach to sign Sir Lewis Hamilton for 2024 if they're true, do you think Hamilton should consider joining Ferrari? Lee, let's go to you on that one. What are your thoughts on those rumours? I think it's, it probably is true that they've considered approaching, or if they haven't um, considered, they already have. Um, but I mean, as much as Lewis isn't the reigning world champion, he's still a very capable driver and is... And and what he can what he can deliver when the car suits him is still exceptional. Um, obviously there there has been times where Ferrari haven't been too happy with the performance of Charles or Carlos, so having a driver that of lead lead driver of the sport, along with the same caliber you can mention with Max in Ferrari with Carlos or with Charles. I know the the rumors are saying it's to replace Carlos if the offer was accepted. To just stabilize Charles, bring him um, up to a level that he's not kind of reaching, and learn of him. It's a bit similar to with the Sebastian role when Charles first joined Ferrari. However, I don't see Lewis accepting the offer. Obviously, my the current contract he's on, I know he's coming to the end of his Mercedes contract, is a slightly higher figure, and I'm sure he's um, pushing for more of the same, if not more, with Mercedes than taking a pay cut i mean end of the day drivers like to get paid money and why not paid more that's the same to everyone to be regardless of what they do um so there's the pay cut aspect and also you think about his legacy he's been in with mercedes 10 years i think was it michael schumacher was with ferrari 11 uh yeah yeah well so if yeah he, pretty much if he did a new contract with mercedes he will he will then potentially become the longest driver of any team in Formula One history. Does he want to ru ruin that legacy? Does he want to win the eighth title with Mercedes if he has the opportunity? How important is that to him? How important is the drive Ferrari? And I think more of that is, I think he's going to see it out with Mercedes than go for the Ferrari um, aspect of the driver. I know a lot of drivers love to drive for Ferrari and Lewis has said in the past he would love to drive for Ferrari but I just don't see that happening I think he's gonna see how his career be it this is his last contract or he signs a new contract it's gonna be with Mercedes yeah 
for a little bit of context for those of you listening to this show and thinking what on earth are we talking about why would Hamilton go to Ferrari so this has all come about from the Italian media outlet Gazzetta del Sport one of the biggest outlets in Italy and you know in the past the Italian media was very much reporting not necessarily from a pro Ferrari perspective but obviously they would be very interested in Ferrari being the national team in the same way that um the British media would report on stories regarding British drivers or British teams with a much larger focus rather than the whole of F1 in general. And they're reporting that the Ferrari chairman, John Ilken, wants to create a super team with Charles Leclerc and Sir Lewis Hamilton at Ferrari. Now, of course, this is leaning on a very well-known factoid with Sir Lewis Hamilton that he's always had a romantic interest in one day driving for Ferrari. Whenever you see Sir Lewis Hamilton driving about on the roads or pictures of him in his car, more often than not, he's driving a Ferrari. Um, you know, that, that's just a coincidence, really. But these reports have come around at a time where Hamilton himself is currently going through contract negotiations with Mercedes on a new deal, which we believe is going to be around two years or so. What we've been hearing, Total Wolf has obviously spoken about this. He's not happy about the rumours, as he's referred to them. And he says they come up every two years or so, but none of it is really true. And it's made him feel uncomfortable that the issue of money has been brought into the discussion. £40 million, apparently, is what Ferrari are offering Sir Lewis Hamilton to join them in 2024. And, you know, he went on to say that he was a bit frustrated that um, two friends, blood brothers, I think he referred to himself and to Lewis Hamilton, for over 10 years going through thick and thin, would suddenly have to discuss money for something like a renewal. And, you know, we know as well that there have been some comments that Hamilton has made owing to, uh, you know, regarding Mercedes not being able to listen to him when, in terms of what they were going to do designing the concept of the car. There have been some tensions brewing between himself and George Russell over who is going to have full control of this team going forward. And we, we've said in the past that it's going to lean more and more towards George Russell over time. That's just a natural changing of the guard, really. And we may be seeing that to some degree already. So all of that combined, it does not necessarily legitimise these rumours or these reports, if you like. But I don't think it would be fair to just simply brush them away in the same way that we would have done in the past. Because I do feel that given the position Mercedes and Ferrari currently find themselves and Hamilton's current career situation, I don't think there's probably been a better time for Hamilton to consider making this switch than there ever has been, quite frankly. Mercedes are not the team that they used to be. They're not dominating Formula One right now. If anything, Ferrari are slightly ahead of them. Not that I think Ferrari in a better position to challenge Red Bull than Mercedes are. I'd say they're both in the same place for different reasons. And given the fact that Hamilton knows a lot about Mercedes, and, and I personally think it would make no sense for him making the switch anyway, um, I don't think it's as simple. I don't think you just can brush these rumours away. I, there may be some legitimacy to them. I think from a Ferrari perspective, it actually makes a lot of sense because Ferrari have made it abundantly clear throughout the years that they they want to have a world champion driving the car. This is the first driver pairing in a very long time, from what I can remember, that neither of the drivers in their team are a world champion. We all know that Charles Leclerc has the potential to be a multiple world champion. He has the raw talent to do so. But in terms of, like, on paper, neither of those drivers are a world champion. 
there aren't that many world champions on the on the grid at the moment because Lewis and Sebastian Vettel dominated for so long. So the only jo- the only options they have really are Lewis, Fernando Alonso, who have burnt bridges with Ferrari because obviously Ferrari felt he disrespected them. And then obviously Max Verstappen. And Max Verstappen is clearly not going to be leaving Red Bull in the next five years at least, I'd say. I can see Max driving for Ferrari at some point in his career. As all the big drivers, as you said, with Lewis as well, all the all the all the drivers on the grid would love to drive for Ferrari at some point. And I do see Max driving there one day. But Lewis is probably the best chance they have of having a world championship winning driver in their team in the next few years. That's true. Um, and, and again, you know, a lot of us, when we first heard this story, thinking, oh, a Ferrari potentially lining up someone to step in to replace Charles Leclerc. I honestly, gen- I don't genuinely believe for a second that that's what they want to do. I think they're very, at this point in time, I think they're very confident that Charles Leclerc will stay with the team beyond his current contract, even though I think it's going to take a little bit of convincing to do that. And I don't feel Charles Leclerc, despite his frustrations this season and and from previous years, he's probably thinking right now that it makes sense to switch. I think there is a little bit of time here that Ferrari have on their side to make the right decision and make sure that they have their house in order on this. I think the urgency is more on Mercedes to make sure that Hamilton signs a new deal. But again, as you mentioned already, Courtney, this could just be a negotiation tactic and the media are just being used to stir up these reports and rumours to try and get Mercedes to come to the table and give Lewis what he wants. Not necessarily money. It could be something more significant than that. I'd be surprised if it was money because I know all these stars and, and drivers want to get paid as much as they possibly can. But the amount of money that Sir Lewis Hamilton makes already, I doubt this is going to come to just about money. So we'll have to wait and see how things play out on this one. I want to put the question to you guys listening to this show. What are your thoughts? Do you feel the rumours have some legitimacy to them? And should Hamilton consider joining Ferrari? Would Ferrari be right to take Hamilton on if he was available? Uh, Let us know in the comments your thoughts on that one. Before we move on to our predictions, McLaren today at the point of recording this on Tuesday have come out with a very special livery like they did last season with a duck egg livery. They've come out with a new livery for the Grand Prix this weekend. Oh, it's not last season, the season before, actually, the Duck Egg one. Got to get my years right. And um, it looks rather interesting. I'm going to put this on screen for those of you watching this on YouTube, what they've done. It is a celebration of their 60th anniversary and, by extension, a celebration of when they achieved the Triple Crown. Now, for those of you that don't know what the Triple Crown is, it is the Monaco Grand Prix victory, the Le Mans 24 Hours victory and also the Indy 500 race victory as well. And just a bit of a history on that. I've got a quote from McLaren on this particular livery and they say that the livery embraces and honours McLaren's triple crown achievements in winning the three most prestigious races in motorsport. The ones I mentioned earlier, the 1974 Indy 500 with Johnny Rutherford, the 1984 Monaco Grand Prix with Alain Prost, and the 1995 24-hour of Le Mans with JJ Leto, Yannick Dalmas, and Masanuri Sekia. I hope I pronounced that right. So, I like it. Majority of it, I'm not so keen on the black part at the front, but... Um, I think they probably could have rejigged that a little bit to make it a little bit nicer in terms of the order of the colouring. But overall, I think it's actually quite nice. What are your thoughts on this livery, guys? Are we a fan of it or not so much? I completely agree with you, Adam. I like two-thirds of it. 
and they were so close to like getting the perfect livery in my opinion for years I've been waiting for them to bring back even if it was just like a one-off to bring back the the iconic McLaren liveries from the 1980s it for me is still my favorite McLaren livery the 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 silver and and, and red during the Vodafone era that's up there as well but the the the, the Senna Prost era for me that just goes down in F1 legend and they were so close like two thirds of it are perfect and the, I, I know why they've they've wanted to put the you know add the other achievements onto there but come on just just do the old McLaren mobile obviously you can't put the cigarette advertisement into it. But you've done two thirds of it. You might as well just done all three. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably to incorporate three different elements of all of those three cars yeah. that won those races. I think we obviously have to get that one in before someone exactly. else in the comments section does it for us, as they so often reliably do. Um, I mean, I was following the Indy 500 qualifying, and I've seen all the McLaren-powered cars this weekend using those liveries. Uh, I think Felix Rosenqvist. Um, who qualified? What do you go in the top three? Actually, you know, very impressive yeah, stuff there. from him. So um, yeah, his his car looks stunning. I would have liked something a bit more like that specifically. Um, so yeah, I agree with where you were going there, Corny. But um, overall, yeah, it looked pretty good. Uh, Lee, thoughts on the car? Yeah. Well, firstly, I'm sure Fernando would love to have had this uh, McLaren at the Indy 500 when he uh, did it a few years ago, and um, for the qualifying, um, just get that bit in. Um, but yeah, the livery itself, it, I think I agree with Courtney a bit more um, regarding the that the eighties, nineties livery. Um, although I think personally, the Vodafone McLaren is my preferred one. Um, but yeah, I'm not a fan of the black on the front. To be no. perfectly honest, it's it doesn't. It's yeah, it just be, doesn't sit right with me. It's got to be a weight-saving thing, surely. They've managed to sort oh, of incorporate yeah. that in, like Mercedes have done with their <laughs> car this year. Oh, yeah. Well, it probably is, especially at Monaco. All that lap time they're going to save on the straights. Yeah, all that lap time saved on the straights. Every gram counts. I mean, this is Formula One, so it probably yeah. does, as much as we joke about it. But... um. Yeah, of course, they would have had to have factored in the weight-saving element to it with their livery. Obviously, there's a lot more black on their car this year as a result of trying to get the weight down. And perhaps that's why they've done that this year with this particular special livery. It was a talking point before, but I feel like we should bring it back because it's the Monaco Grand Prix weekend. I've often felt that this is a race where I think all the teams should put out a special retro kind of livery on their cars because it's Monaco. You know, the glitz and the glamour, the razzmatazz, if you like, or the pizzazz, whichever one you want to call it. This is the opportunity to do that. Perhaps it's an element that could make the race weekend a little bit more interesting, even though it has absolutely no bearing on the competitive order whatsoever. What do you guys reckon? Should it be mandated that they have a special livery for Monaco or perhaps another circuit? Yeah, I, I think... I think it should be a chance for the world championship like winning team or driver to flex their muscle, let's say. I'm not saying I do like a, a full fully gold car, but I, I feel that should be that should be an opportunity for the you know the world championship winning team a driver like shall we say Red Bull and Max Verstappen. I think that's the time for them to go, you know what, where the guys to be. I feel that's that with the glitz and the glamour that's the time to do it. But I do also agree with what you said before, that I would like to see some of the classic liveries. 
Like, like, like I've said about the McLaren, I, I love to see the classic Williams make a comeback as well. And we spoke about it before coming on air, Adam. I really do like the uh, the Ferrari Nicolauda um era livery. And you've said it's it's a it seems to be a bit of a curse for the team, so they're not so keen to bring it back. Yeah, it is a little bit, uh, if I'm perfectly honest. So it, it's a livery that is very, very nice, but it's often shrouded in misfortune with Ferrari. Um funny, when you were saying that and you were saying that the winning car should be covered in gold for that one, I was thinking to myself is this another angle to try and slow Red Bull down? Because gold is much heavier than carbon fibre <laughs> off memory. So uh, I'm just wondering if there was a little bit of logic to that. I mean, it could be interesting to try and slow them down a little bit. But uh, I mean, if you sold it to them, so paint your, your car's gold and, you know, I'm sure they're smart enough to see through that, but it would be quite interesting. It's just different, isn't it? Uh, you're right, though, Like with the idea in general. Monaco, if there is a place to do it, it is Monaco. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Vegas as well could also be another venue that they could do it. Oh, I, I was just going to uh, add in Vegas, but I think um, Monaco would be my preferred option. But I do want to add one thing about a legacy livery. I like the concepts in general, but I mean, I'm not I'm not shaming Haas here, but yeah, Haas, you got to use one of your legacy liveries. Oh, which one am I going to use? Uh, <laughs> They're 20, using it already. 2015, oh, should I use 2019? <laughs> oh, the 2018, because it was the best. They've uh, got the rich energy one, haven't season. they? Oh uh, yeah! Bring that one back. Just have uh, to rebrand it. To that guy. Oh, he's around. He's still around somewhere. Old William Story. Yeah. And uh, but you know, doing his thing in other series as well. So uh, you never, you never forget him. His very memorable character. Let's move on, guys, to the predictions element. Now we've been doing this for a little while now, so hopefully you guys are enjoying that and getting involved with your own predictions in the comment section. So please do. And we're going to start off with the best surprise as the first category this weekend, as we often do. Courtney, let's go to you. Who's going to be the best surprise in Monaco this weekend? I'm going to go for a two in one and you're absolutely going to love me. I think this is going to be the moment the shoulder club breaks his Monaco hoodoo. And he's going to go on and win it. You've just jinxed it. I was just going to say, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, who did you say earlier was going to win you put your predictions early? Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've just got a feeling it's going to be Leclerc. I've had a feeling as, as we've been going through the episodes, we went, no, actually, Leclerc always turns up in qualifying. It just always seems to go wrong somehow. This is going to be the one, Adam. This is going to be the one. I hope you're right. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you for the same reason. So um, I'm going to go with that one as well. Lee, you're going to uh, poop on this party or are you yeah, going to join sorry. us? Oh. Um, <laughs> my my best prize, I'm going to say, is the race. Um, and I'm going to say that, that um, at least the races haven't been that enticing compared to previous seasons. And I think we're going to actually have, especially for Monaco, I think we're actually going to have a really enjoyable Monaco Grand Prix, and I'm saying that's a surprise that it's Monaco, which is normally boring, and this season hasn't been too exciting. So I think we're going to have a really exciting race this weekend. That's maybe my surprise. Yeah, if you accept that one, well, I'll, I'll accept it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's worth a point anyway, so uh, it's not like we're cheating ourselves out of anything significant. Flop of the weekend, the next category. Lee, I'm going to throw this one to you. Who is going to be the flop? this weekend i do feel sorry for the guy but i think it's gonna be nick he's gonna stick it in the wall um, gonna I think be the, the... yeah the pressure is gonna get to him 
they, they didn't get a chance to race last weekend. And I, but I do think it's just Monaco. It's just going to, that the whole rumor of the impending, right, it was three races. Don't know if they've, Mark has been generous and given him an extra race, but I think he's going to, it's going to be too much. He's going to stick it in the wall. Yeah, I mean, it certainly didn't help if those rumours are accurate with Liam Lawson yeah. winning his most recent Super Formula race in Japan last weekend. So that's certainly going to add some fuel to that already burning fire right now. And yeah, I I don't want to agree with you on this one, Lee, but I just think back to how things went down in Baku. Nick DeVries having a few crashes there. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's going to be a flop this weekend as well. I really hope I'm wrong, but I can't really look past him at the moment. Yeah, that's the same reason that he didn't do very well in Baku as well, which is even more space on the, the circuit than uh, you get in Monaco. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you make a mistake in Baku, there are some runoff areas or some room, but uh, Monaco, there's absolutely no room for error on that circuit. Courtney, who's going to be your flop of the weekend? I've said it before, but I feel like it would probably make even more sense than when I've raised it last time, and that's going to be Logan Sargent. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I've, I feel that Logan's biggest issue since joining F1 is that he's been trying too hard. He's been trying to overdrive the car. He's been getting a lot more frustrated compared to other drivers, and if there is a place for that kind of behaviour to not be warranted, it's on the streets of Monaco. So I feel like he's going to be the guy that can make a rest decision and ruin his weekend. Yeah, he had that incident in Baku. Let's not forget where he crashed out in qualifying, although he did feel he was unsighted by the Ferraris near him, which, you know, is understandable. But of course, Williams are going to be keeping an eye on as well. They won't want him crashing into the barriers. And, and Monaco is a very unforgiving circuit, which is certainly not one that rookies tend to thrive at. So it'll be very much interesting to see how he gets on. Pole position. Now, I'm going to go first. Charles Leclerc. I think we're going to see some magic from him, like we saw last year at Monaco when he put it on pole position. And like we saw in Baku, when he's on it and he's in his right element and the car's working for him, and on a track like Monaco, Ferrari might be stronger than some may predict. I certainly hope they are. I reckon he has enough in him to topple the Red Bulls this weekend. Yeah, fully agreed, because I'm going with Charles Leclerc for pole as well. Lee, who's going on pole for you this weekend? I'm not joining the Ferrari bandwagon, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm going to be putting Sergio on pole. Do you know what? I'm glad you haven't, because if you'd have put Leclerc on pole, that would imply that it's all going to go wrong for him again, as it so often <laughs> has done in Monaco. Um, I mean, the guy's had almost... Pretty much, yeah, if he's not had bad luck, he'd have no luck at all at Monaco. Um, the fact that he finished last season was obviously a bit of a saving grace because he'd never done that before. But why Perez for pole? I'll get to it on the pole prediction. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I can't wait for that one. Uh, race winner? Well, Courtney, no surprises for us. I've gone with Leclerc. I'm assuming yep. you're going the same with him. So uh, I'm not going to count that as a bowl prediction, mind no. you. So if you... If, I didn't include that as a bold prediction. So uh, we've both gone with Leclerc. Lee, race winner for you? Sergio. Sergio Perez, one last time out. Very much could do so again. It will be three in a row for Red Bull if they do so. So this would be interesting then. The podium, because up until now, none of us have mentioned Max Verstappen, the world champion and the world championship leader. Wonder where he's going to finish. So Courtney, at the risk of annoying our 
wonderful Dutch fans and Red Bull fans by extension even more. Who's on your podium this weekend after Charles Leclerc? I'm going to have Fernando Alonso second and Max Verstappen third. Oh, interesting. I agree with that podium, but I'm going to swap Verstappen and Alonso. I reckon Max is going to be P2 and I reckon Alonso is going to be P3. Lee, I'm looking forward to your podium. Who's going to be on your podium behind Perez? I agree with you, Adam, Verstappen and Fernando. They very much are becoming the new Hambot Ver. Yeah, these guys, uh, along with Hamilton, Rosberg, Vettel, if I remember rightly. Um, I mean, it's going to get to a point this season, given how often Alonso Perez and Verstappen go on the podium, whereas Perez once said all three Red Bull cars, if you like, <laughs> having a dig at Aston Martin earlier in the season. It's, uh, yeah, the consistency is definitely real with those guys. So I certainly wouldn't rule that podium out in particular. Best of the rest. Well, this will be interesting. I am going to go first and say... Pierre Gasly drove very well in Miami, despite the criticism from Lauren Rossi, the Alpine CEO. And he started to find his feet a little bit in this Alpine car. Admittedly, they are a long way at the moment from the top four teams. They have fallen closer to the midfield than they would have liked. But I still think they are the best of the rest. And Gasly has been very impressive, albeit under the radar of late. Despite the mistake he made in Melbourne where he took himself and his teammate out, he has been the lead guy challenging those top four cars at the moment. And I can very much see that happening again in Monaco. Yeah, can't can't really argue. This is gonna be this is gonna be the race where the driver talent is going to show more than like any other circuit. So if there's a chance for Pierre, it will be this one. What about you, Lee? Who are you going with? My best of the rest is Landon Norris. Nice. Um, the although Mammy wasn't the grass for the McLaren and um, the situation, the late start dates, they have had a bit more time to analyze it. Um, and obviously Monaco is not the best circuit for that, but I feel where Lando's just going to be um, one with the car and it's going to be uh, leading to the, the best of the rest position. Interesting. So we're going Landon Norris for Lee. I've gone with Gasly. Courtney, just to confirm... It's I'm going with Lando. You're going with yeah, Lando as well. I'm going for Lando because you got to remember he's he's already got a podium at Monaco, so it's it's not like he'll be sort of timid coming onto the streets of uh, Monaco. So yeah, I'm 100 going for Lando. My British bias is showing again. <laughs> <laughs> well, no one seems to care when you praise Lando Norris, so uh, you know maybe that's a good way to go, <laughs> just to get that British biasness yeah. out. Uh, let's go to our bold predictions now. I want to save Lee's for last because I'm very intrigued with what yours is going to be. Courtney, let's go to you first. What's your bold prediction this weekend? Oh, do you know what? There are so many things that could happen in this race. I can't pinpoint one. I feel I've made quite a few bold predictions already. I feel like I've used them all up. Because I'd say that Lando Norris in the top five is quite a bold prediction. Uh, Let's say... Oh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the one they always say, and it's gonna be a top ten finish for Alex Albon. I like that. I I love mm. the positivity around Williams right now, and they are a pretty decent outfit at the moment. And they've got a very good driver in Alex Albon, who I think is criminally underrated at the moment. And on a circuit like Monaco, if he nails it in qualifying, as Williams he can do in that Williams at the moment, they have got the pace. There's absolutely no reason why not. And I found a loophole 
Oh yeah. Because because you gotta remember that even though Alex Albon represents Thailand, he he grew up in the UK. <laughs> He's London. So boy. I can hide I can hide oh, behind I can hide I can use my British bias and go, oh no. He, he actually represents Thailand, so I'm not going to be biased um, with Alex Albon. Oh, there you go, I found a loophole. He's found a loophole. He's gone for the dual nationals now. Uh, <laughs> before we wrap things up, Courtney, you got anything nice to say about George Russell heading into this weekend? Yeah, I think he's going to have um, a good weekend. I do think he'll beat Lewis. Oh, he's been out qualifying. He's been out qualifying Lewis, hasn't he? So I think he'll beat Lewis this weekend. He has been very impressive under the radar, George Russell. And I think, you know, credit where credit is due. He was great in Miami. I think that was very much overlooked over the fact yeah. that there was strategies going on that was affecting the race. And George just went about his business, beat the Ferraris. And, you know, if he had more time, might have made Fernando think once or twice about where he was going. Interesting. My bold prediction now, I am going to go for something that may happen this weekend probably on a trend of the fact that it's happened the last few races, but I reckon it will happen again. I think we're going to get a red flag that's going to decide qualifying in Q3. And I think it's going to be caused by a crash by Lance Stroll in Q3. Very specific, Adam. I like it. Well, I was thinking Charles Leclerc, but I thought no, because I remembered what happened a couple of years ago when he ruined his gearbox and Ferrari made that blundering error, which caused him to not be able to take the grid and prevented him having his best chance of winning a Monaco Grand Prix that we've seen so far in his career. So I'm going to stick with that. Stroll to crash in Q3, cause a red flag, which ultimately decides qualifying. Very specific, but uh, I wouldn't think many people would rule that out. The driver one might be a bit sketchy, but uh, we'll wait and see. Lee, let's come to your awaited bowl prediction. What's it going to be? You've touched it a little bit with your prediction, I must add, Adam. But mine is a Red Bull quali crash. Ooh. Okay. Um, and I'm going to explain that that the wounds of last year I don't believe are fully healed. As much as the PR oh, for Red Bull no. was in overdrive, <laughs> I don't believe it's fully healed. Max has a memory of an elephant and doesn't forget <laughs> um, things. On the other hand, if you believe the rumours that it was intentional, Sergio know it worked last year. So why not repeat the same thing? He'd, he'd be foolish, wouldn't he? Can't imagine. Do you know what? Um, Do you know what? So if Sergio yeah. is on pole and, and after the first run, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks it in the wall. If Max is on pole, I wouldn't be surprised if he sticks it in the wall just to prove uh, Sergio that he hasn't forgotten and he's watching him. Do you know what? I, you know, I'll tell you what. I, I am going to say this on record right now, Lee. For the benefit of those keeping score on this right now, if that happens, I will give you five points for that as a bold <laughs> prediction, just for the cynicism element of it. And the fun part about all of this is not necessarily do we think Max Verstappen would be spiteful enough to, or petty enough to... Petty's the word. Yeah, petty's probably the right word. Would he be petty enough? And anyone hearing this already thinking, oh, they're just going to be idiots and be in British bias again. Look, we saw what happened in Brazil last season where Max refused to allow Checo to pass him in the race even though it had no bearing on Max's world championship because he'd already won it by then and Max was like what was he P5 P6 it didn't really make a blind bit of difference and of course it didn't make a difference in the world championship Leclerc still would have finished second anyway but the pettiness of that moment 
because he referenced what happened in Monaco and it brought all that back. The fun part is not necessarily would Max do that if he was leading on pole position after the first run. I think we've seen other drivers in the past like Rosberg, Michael Schumacher, try and do similar things to make sure that they got on pole position. Rosberg... Sergio. Sergio, well... I'm not going to say Sergio. <laughs> if you believe the rumor that it was Sergio did it on purpose, that's up to you. Um, did Rosberg, did he get away with it? Yeah. He did, yeah. Schumacher definitely didn't. He got relegated to the back of the grid for it. But that's going to be the trick. If Max, and let's you know, play devil's advocate here, if Max Verstappen does decide to do this, he's going to have to be very creative to do this in a way which doesn't implicate that he did it on purpose and then get relegated to the back of the grid like Schumacher did. That's the fun part. How is he going to do that? Because the Raskas move, in these cars, it might be a lot easier to do it. Um, and maybe if Perez did it last year, and I'm not saying he did, maybe Max does spin it on the exit of Portier and block the tunnel. I don't know. But i tell you what, that would be very ballsy if he tries to do it and successfully pull it off as well. So well I done. I did say Lee. it was a bold prediction. <laughs> you certainly did. We may not get a bolder prediction this season just for the cynicism element of it. But guys, uh, that's all we got time for. It did drag on a little bit longer than we normally do. But let us know your thoughts on the predictions for this weekend. Get your own ones in as well. As always, like the video, subscribe to the channel if you are new. Really helps us out a lot. And make sure to leave us a five star review on your favorite pod platform. We do do shout outs, so do let us know if you are able to support us with that one. But until then, guys, thanks for tuning in. Please stay safe, especially if you are in the Emilia-Romagna region right now. Our thoughts are still very much with you at this difficult time. But until then, we will see you in the next episode of the DNF1 F1 podcast. And remember, as always, if you're not first, you're probably DNF1. Take care, guys. Podcast Network.